You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. So as we've gone through the first chapter of the first chapter and a half of Hagiga, we've been circling around questions of bringing different kinds of offerings to Jerusalem and journeying to Jerusalem and various kinds of deviances or heresies or things that we don't want to talk about or shouldn't talk about or mustn't talk about. So we're in this this we're in this this description of permitted and forbidden journeys. And as we pick up in the fourth Mishnah of the second chapter, we are going to come back to this um, juxtaposition of the forbidden and the permitted. And the Mishnah begins very innocently, actually. There's no sense of heresy or forbiddenness. It begins very innocently. Atzeret liot erev Shabbat, Beit Shammai Omrim Yom Tavoach Lachar Shabbat. When Shavuot, atzer, the word for Shavuot in the Mishnah is always Atzeret. So the Mishnah begins, Atzeret Erev Shabbat. When Shavuot falls on Erev Shabbat, in other words, Shavuot falls on a Friday. And Beit Shammai say, the day of the slaughter is after Shabbat. So Beit Shammai, I'm not going to slaughter the offerings on the festival, on Yom Tov on the Friday, they're clearly not going to slaughter them on Shabbat if they're not going to slaughter them on the festival. So they're going to go to the, the Sunday. They're going to go to the next day, the first day of the week. And Beit Hillel say, there's no day of slaughtering. And you might ask yourself, what is it? What is special about Shavuot falling on a Friday? And in order to understand that, we need a verse. We need to go back to a verse. And we're going to go back to Vayikra, to the Pasha of Emor, chapter 23 in Vayikra. It's a famous verse. And we mentioned it before, but it, it bears going back to it. You shall count from the day after the Shabbat. Now, the um, Torah here is talking about the Pesach offering and the new grain offering on Pesach. But it says, You shall count from the day after the Shabbat. From the day when you bring the sheaf of wave offering. You shall have seven full weeks. And then until the day. Again, the word until the day after the Shabbat, ad mimacharat ha-Shabbat ha-Shvi'it, until the day after the seventh Shabbat. Tispuru chamishim yom. You'll count 50 days until the day after the seventh Shabbat. And you'll notice that the Torah here talks persistently about the day after Shabbat. Now, we, in our rabbinic world, we interpret the day after Shabbat in this context as the day after Pesach. We count 50 days from Pesach. That's how we count the Omer today. But you could read these verses and say, no, no, no. We count from the first Sunday after Pesach. We count from the day after Shabbat. That's Sunday. Maybe we count from Sunday. Maybe Shavuot should always fall on a Sunday. And that's the way the Karaites hold. And various other heretics 
of the time of the rabbis held that you should always have Shavuot on a Sunday because that's what the text says. So now thinking about that kind of heresy, we can understand the sensitivity about doing the day of slaughter on Sunday. When Shavuot falls on a Friday, do we want to slaughter the festival animals on a Sunday, just like the Karaites and the heretics? Well, you can see why Beit Hillel say, no, there's no day of slaughter. Modim, they agree. Modim she'im chalal yot b'shabbat. They agree that if Shavuot does fall on Shabbat, she'yom tevoach l'achach Shabbat, then the day of slaughter is after Shabbat. So they agree that far. But, and there's a but, they're making it clear that this is not Shavuot. How so? The high priest doesn't put on his special garments. Mourning and fasting are permitted. So if something, if, if there's a reason to fast, you fast. If someone has died, you mourn. We do not want to establish the view of those who say that Shavuot is after Shabbat. We don't go that way. And that is the end of this section of the Mishnah. So we've journeyed, we've talked about, um, we talked about uh, um, sages who go off the derech, about things that shouldn't be taught. We've talked about possible heresy with regard to Shavuot. And now, from now on, the rest of the tractate is occupied with questions of Tumah and Tahara of purity and impurity related to bringing the sacrifices so from now on we get back into a much more i i hesitate to use the word mundane but a much more dated because it's not mundane it's holy but a much more day-to-day discussion about how we're going to bring these sacrifices and how we're going to prepare ourselves to bring these sacrifices so that is really the matter from now till the end of the tractate which is in a chapter and a half time and the Mishnah goes on to say, not limla yadaim veli truma. We um, wash hands for chulin, that's for ordinary unconsecrated food, and maser for tithes, and for truma, for food which is given to the kohanim. Ve, la kodesh, as far as sacred foods are concerned, these are food sacrificed, this is something sacrificed on the altar. Matzbilin, we immerse. Not quite clear from the Mishnah whether we immerse our hands or just the whole body. But we certainly don't just wash hands. We actually have to, I mean, for washing hands, you just need to wash them in a um, a minimal quantity, a revit of water. You pour, just need to pour water over them. But it, to immerse your hands, you actually need to immerse them in a mikvah. And maybe, not quite clear from the Mishnah, whether we're referring to immersing our whole body or not. I think probably not, because because the Mishnah then goes on to the next degree, Vilachatat. When the Mishnah is talking about the Chatat, they're talking about Mei Chatat. They're talking about the water of purification. So the, the ashes, the red heifer, that are mixed up with the water, and then they're sprinkled. They're sprinkled on people who come into contact with a dead person or with other with, with a dead person. They effectively, it's the sort of the the it's the ashes that bring us back into the community after we've experienced the death of someone in our close family. 
with regard to these waters, mechatat, im, im nitamu yadav nitamagufo. If someone, you know, if you touch these waters, you become impure. That, the, it's a very interesting halacha that, that when you are impure, the, the, the waters are a bit like a sort of reverse object. If you are impure, the waters are sprinkled on you, you become pure. But if you are pure and you touch the, 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 the waters of the chatat, you become impure. So as far as the waters are concerned, im nitamu yadav nitamu for If one's hands became impure, one's body became impure, i.e. if your hands are impure, you have to immerse your whole body. You can't just immerse your hands. You have to immerse your whole body before touching the waters. And the Mishnah is now going to extend these rules, but it's going to add the concept of intention. We've seen before intention in matters of Kodesh is sometimes very, very important. Someone immersed for chulin, i.e. with the intention of eating chulin, and was presumed to be fit to eat chulin, he's prohibited from eating ma'aser. Ma'aser is a higher level of holiness. As we Someone immersed for Maser and was presumed to be fit to eat Maser, he's permitted from eating Truma. Truma is another level up. Someone immersed for Truma and was presumed to be fit to eat Truma, but he's prohibited from eating sacred things. Someone immersed for sacred things and was presumed to be fit to eat sacred things, but that person's prohibited from the waters of purification, from the mechatat, the, the waters of the red heifer. And this now we're going to have the general case, the classic generalization that the Mishnah is going to finish with and will finish with today. If someone immersed for something stricter, one is permitted for something lighter, for something less weighty. If one immersed, but without any kind of intention at all, it is as though one had not immersed. If one immerses without intention, one has actually not done anything at all. One has wet oneself, but one has achieved nothing at all. Immersion without intention doesn't achieve anything. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.